The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace and peace to you all. Perry Siddons here once again. It's a pleasure to be able to speak to you all once again. And in a sense, I feel like the Apostle Paul who can be with his congregation. And he wrote letters to them to encourage them. And I feel the same about you. My heart burns for all of you. Truly, I mean that. You all have a very special place in my heart. And I hope to give you a message of encouragement during this seemingly dark time of pandemic, global pandemic. And what an honor it is to be able to have this chance to encourage you. I truly hope that I can be with you all in person once we're allowed to do so again. Now, have you ever witnessed uh, a flock of sheep with their shepherd, with their master? A couple of years ago, I had the chance uh, when I was working at camp to see a modern shepherd in action. So at the time I was working at camp on the leadership team and uh, we'd been studying a book on leadership principles that were based around, that they were based upon the relationship between a shepherd and their sheep and the biblical principles of shepherding. One of the board members and my youth leader during that time, Brad Steppen, had sheep and we were able to go to his farm to see his sheep. So <clears throat> first of all, he had some of us go out there and come on, call the sheep. So some of, some of us went out and, you know, come here sheep, come here sheep. And they're kind of like, uh, kept, kept chewing their grass, kept balking at us. The sheep didn't seem to care because they didn't recognize the voices. He had another person try it and another person try and it didn't work. And then he yelled, sheep, sheep. And they came running over to him. And I couldn't believe how loud and the running was and how fast they were, they were and the, the, it was just what a sight to see. It was quite a show. But it was so cool seeing the sheep respond to their master's voice. And then we went to the other side of the pasture, quite a ways away from the sheep. And then he called them again over to us <laughs> and they came running and it was so incredible to see the, the relationship between the shepherd and their sheep and that brought John 10 to life which is what I want to look at today this Sunday is John 10 and I'm sure that this is a familiar text to us all but I think a familiar text can still come to new life in different situations and have a more meaningful significance to them. Um, so I want to bring out a more fuller meaning to this text in order to get a better sense of its meaning for us here and now during this time. And this passage contains one of Jesus' I Am statements which are unique to John's gospel. Many of these I am statements connect Jesus back to the Old Testament and even to the identity of Israel, which he connects himself to. Or something about Israel, something in the Old Testament that he's connecting himself to with these I am statements, which are very unique to John's gospel. So here Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd. It has kingly implications, which I want to touch on later. He also So he uses this shepherding language to describe his relationship between himself and the church, between 
himself and his people. He is the shepherd and the church are his sheep. We as Christians are his flock. So the language here reflects back to the Old Testament where God was the shepherd and the people of Israel were his sheep. But we also want to think about this in light of Easter as we continue to celebrate this wonderful resurrection event. So let us turn to John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. John chapter 10, starting at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we look at your word today, on this second Sunday after Easter, would you illuminate your word to us, open our eyes and ears to see, give us grace to know, to understand. Help me to teach this word, Lord. Would this be an encouragement to us all that you are our good shepherd and help us understand what that means for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in this passage, Jesus contrasts the role of the shepherd and the role of the hired hand. We see these two images. In verse 11, he describes the role of the good shepherd as sacrificial, giving of himself. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Well, the hired hand, Jesus emphasizes, is not the shepherd and does not care about the sheep. In fact, when the hired hand sees danger coming, such as a wolf uh, that Jesus uses as an illustration. He leaves the sheep, and they're helpless, and they're snatched by the wolf. So what exactly is Jesus doing here? Well, first of all, this is technically a parable. And a parable is simply an illustration to make a point. And this is what Jesus does here. Even though it doesn't say, in the other Gospels, Jesus says the parable. Yeah, something like that. Whereas here he just goes straight into his illustration. It, this, it's a parable. Uh, this week I've been listening to the Bible Project podcast. They've been having a, a really interesting series on the parables. And they've been very clear about the use of the parables. They're usually to indict, to bring judgment upon the religious leaders, to bring judgment upon the, the way of life, to flip it on its head, and to really bring fuller meaning uh, to his mission and to who he is, and, and to bring judgment upon the nation of Israel. And, and so specifically, he's bringing judgment upon the religious leaders of Israel, And so we see over and over again in the Gospel of John, their resentment to him. And their continuing 
their continual plans and efforts to try to foil what he's doing. They are convinced that he is a blasphemer, that he is not the Son of God, and they want to destroy him. So as readers of the Bible, we have to remember that when reading the Bible and trying to make sense of a particular text, we want to go back to the last, to at least the previous passage. We, we really want to get a sense of, okay, why is, why is this being said? Because these things weren't written in a vacuum. Um, there's a reason for them being placed in the, in the order that they are. So we, when reading the Bible, we might want to look at the first chapters of the book. But for now, we just want to look at uh, the, the chapter before to really understand what's going on here. So with that, we want to look at John 9 a little bit, where Jesus heals the blind man. In John 9, when Jesus healed the blind man, it caused quite an uproar. And the man was brought before the Pharisees. They questioned him, which by doing so, they were trying to foil. They were trying to, tra uh, to trap Jesus. The second time the Pharisees demanded that this man uh, call Jesus a sinner, the man replied, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They asked. The man replied, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? The Pharisees became enraged. You are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. So they eventually kicked him out. They ejected him from their presence. And Jesus went and found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you, said Jesus. The man replied, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus, as the text says. Then Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. The Pharisees heard him and asked, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And then he immediately begins his good shepherd discourse, his good shepherd parables in John 10. So what exactly is happening here? And why is it important for the significance of John 10 and the Good Shepherd? Well, there's, there's spiritual significance here for the man, for the blind man that was healed. There, there is a contrast between the blind man who is an outcast in society, and the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, they're the upper class, if, you, if, you, if we, we want to put it that way, in society. The good news of God's kingdom is manifested through this blind man. He sees that Jesus is the Son of Man, a.k.a. the Messiah, a.k.a. the Chosen One, the King, if we want to use that language, want to get back to that. And yet the Pharisees refuse to acknowledge that this miracle is an act of God. And they blaspheme God. 
They call themselves disciples of Moses, and they call the blind man a fraud and a blasphemer. The religious leaders are blind to the truth, while the humble common class in society gladly accept Jesus' kingdom message. Their eyes are open to the truth. The blind man was healed, but the eyes of his soul were open to the light of the world and to the good shepherd. And so Jesus condemned the religious leaders by saying to them in John 10, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Well, who is he talking about here? The religious and political leaders of Israel up and down the ages who did not heed the voice of God and were blinded to the truth. That's who he's talking about here. I am the door, he said. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In other words, Jesus knows his sheep and the religious leaders do not. They were blinded by their self-righteousness and sin. And Jesus opened the eyes of the blind and he revealed himself to the humble. And they responded in humility. It was shown that that response was shown immediately by the healed man when he began to worship Jesus after his identity was revealed to the blind man. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. His eyes had been opened to the truth. His spiritual eyes had been opened. And Jesus truly cared for the sheep. We see that. Um, we even see that here in verse 35 of chapter 9. When Jesus had heard that they had cast him out, he went and found him. He went and found him. That right there is even a picture of what Jesus' mission is. He truly cared for the sheep. And unlike the hired hands, that is the religious and political leaders, they were not willing to serve the sheep, but rather they looked to be served by the sheep. They, they put burdens on the sheep. They, they tried to entrap them, and, and, and they weren't helping them. The good shepherd goes so far as to lay down his life for his sheep. And this is how much he loves his flock. He cares for them, and he provides for them. He gives them life-giving blood for them. He gives his life-giving blood for them, so that they may too, that they, that they too may live. I like uh, N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird's parallel here. I know I realize that I've been quoting a lot of N.T. Wright these days, uh, but I think he's just so good, and I've been reading a lot of him lately. Um, but I, I really like the parallel that they, that they draw in, that, that, they, they, that they note here, and I think it's helpful for us. They see a parallel between the Jewish political leaders and Jesus. The, and, and first of all, so they see that the shepherding language 
to be called a shepherd was connected to the identity and the mission of a king in the Old Testament. Jesus, so the, the contrast that Jesus is making here is that Jesus was a good king. Jesus was a good king, unlike the religious and political leaders who cared nothing for God's people. He was the one who went into the crux of society and he reached into the messy, dirty, broken lives of individuals who the religious leaders did not want to associate with. In fact, it's interesting. I saw this clip on Facebook of, uh, I didn't watch all of it, but it's that new show. I think it's called The Chosen. Or, I can't remember, but they made this show and, and you see this clip of the disciples and Jesus and there's this leprous man walking towards them and the disciples are very angry and they're like trying to, like they're yelling at this leprous man, get away, get away, get away. And Jesus is like, stop. And he goes toward the leprous man. And I thought, man, what an interesting, like what a really powerful image that is of the, the love of Jesus, the good shepherd of even of going toward an unclean man. Whereas you see that, 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 that mindset of the disciples, which was given to them by the Pharisees and the religious leaders, that, you know, that's what they were taught. This is an unclean man. Don't go near him. Don't touch him. Which was, I mean, taught in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is even flipping that upside down. But, but anyways, Jesus was the true, right, and good king. Ezekiel 34, 23 speaks to the prophecy that I, that is God, will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So this prophecy looks forward to the day of king uh, of of the great king david acting as the shepherd for god's people okay does it mean that king david is going to literally come back no he's dead but he will be raised what is this talking about jesus pardon me the Old Testament, when they're talking, when they have these King David prophecies, what are they looking forward to? They're looking forward to that great king who would sit on David's throne, and it'd almost be like the glory days of King David, but it would be even greater than the glory days. So that's what they're trying to do here, is kind of remember David. That's what it's going to be like. And of course, we know that Jesus most definitely fulfilled the prophecies of the Davidic king. He received the throne of David that was promised to his line. And uh, Jesus was the Davidic king who became the shepherd over all of God's people. And the, the king came to gather together his sheep into one flock. While the religious and the political leaders were searching for political gain, the good shepherd came to give his life for his sheep. This was Jesus' mission, to give his life for his flock. And again, I want to emphasize that we see that being played out in a very tangible way 
when Jesus went and found the, blind, the healed man when he was cast out of the Pharisee's presence. That is a very tangible image of what Jesus did. He came to earth to find his sheep, to die for his sheep. And there is this wonderful intimacy between the sheep and, and the shepherd, that is between Christ and his church. And it reflects the intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. I know my own, says Jesus, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus' mission was to bring together all the sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know their shepherd. He calls them to himself, and they listen. This is good news for us. Jesus knows us, and we know him in a very special, intimate relationship. And I got to witness in action the, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. When he called, they came. They knew him, pardon me, he knew them, and they knew him. Just a very special relationship. He cared for them, and they responded um, in submission. And it was a wonderful thing to witness. So I want to say that COVID-19 does not know us and does not decide our destiny. Jesus does. He knows us and he knows us better than ourselves. COVID-19 does not. Jesus died and rose again to defeat death. Jesus is our good shepherd. He knows his sheep. This is wonderful news to know and to cling to during this pandemic. All right. There are a few implications that I want to note that I, that I want to point out from all of this. So that first is that Jesus is the good shepherd king. He is in control. He is sovereign at the right hand of God. Nothing shall be able to thwart his almighty plans and his divine power. And let's be real here. The government has made mistakes. It's just a fact of life. Uh, they've made mistakes during this pandemic. And I'm not saying that, I'm not pointing anything in particular. I'm just saying that's the, that's the reality here. And what I want to note is that we should not put our hope and our trust in our political leaders and our health officials. I just want to note that our hope is not founded, it's not grounded in their decisions. Sometimes they may get it wrong during this pandemic, and that's okay. Because Jesus is our king, and he's the one gathering his flock, and he loves and cares for us. That's where our hope is. Secondly, along with that, Jesus is the one who's gathering his sheep. And there's a very real chance that camps 
and other summer ministries will not be running this summer. And that is sad, that's very disappointing if, we, if, that, if, that, uh, if that happens, if uh, we have to shut down camps and summer ministries. I was looking forward to participating in some of them. That's a very real chance. But we can trust that Jesus and his great sovereignty is still gathering his sheep. He is not limited by our limitations. And I think this is a good time for us to sit back a little bit. Even though we're still on mission, we can still sit back a little bit and, and, and think, how is God, on, how is Jesus still gathering his sheep during this time? And trusting that he is. And we can find great peace and comfort in that fact. The, the churches and the camps may not be running, but Jesus is still bringing sheep into his flock and calling them his own. So just like the blind man saw the king before him, our eyes have been opened. Jesus has invited us in. He is our shepherd king. He cares for us and he loves us. Would you take great comfort in that reality this week? Whatever you may be going through this week, take great comfort in that. Whatever uh, you may have been affected by the, uh, the shooting in Nova Scotia, there may be real things happening in your life um, that is not COVID-19. Whatever it may be, does not decide your destiny. Jesus is our good shepherd. He cares for us and he loves us. And now I want to leave with you a benediction from the book of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.